Welcome to the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Monday morning. This is the sports edition of the podcast, so thank you for being here and listening to what we have to talk about today on sports. We're now seeing that the World Series is going to be heading back to Houston, and that's if you're a Braves fan, that is not what you wanted to hear. That's not what you wanted to see last night, but that is the reality after the Braves went up 4 0. Early in the game, off a grand slam by Duvall, we see the Braves basically just let the Astros right back into it. And the Astros, once they got rolling, they had that game that everyone was expecting them to have at some point where their offense just explodes and gets, I mean, timely hits. And I think a lot of it just came down to their, I mean, they changed up their style a little bit. Instead of being so aggressive, they really picked their spots, forced forced Atlanta to pitch, I guess you say, in their strike zone and be able to... I strike them out and make them, I should say, earn every out they were going to get. So, a very interesting game. But now this game obviously goes back to, this series goes back to Houston for a game six. That's going to be very pivotal because if you're Atlanta, you, you wanted to finish it at home. But now you have to go and you have to finish it on the road. And if you want to finish it in game six, if it gets into game seven, obviously it's still anyone's game. But at that point, you basically give Houston all the confidence in the world that they need to be able to go and and win this series so if you're Atlanta I feel like for them this is a must-win game in game six and obviously this is the question for them is their pitching I know a lot of people are expecting probably Ian Anderson to start either him or Max Freed my guess would be Ian Anderson with the way he played earlier on during the series but we'll obviously see with that but just a lot I mean we we were a lot of people were hoping that the Braves would be able to close out this series in Game Five, but as back to back bullpen games, it becomes very difficult. You got a lot of guys that aren't used to throwing that many pitches that are that are doing that, and then you expect your offense to keep pace on a night where just everyone wasn't up to the standard that they had been at for the most of the postseason. So, just a it was just an interesting game because it just really looked like Atlanta was going to close it out, and then all of a sudden here just came Houston, and they did all the little things that they needed to. The bats got going, and just the the relief that they had come in from their bullpen was fantastic outside of their, their starting pitcher who gave up that grand slam and gave up the home run to, to Freddie Freeman to put the Braves up 5-4. But the, after, after that, relief came in for them. They had the bullpen come in and just really took over, and Atlanta was never able to – and to put any more points on the board, and when that happens, you're, it becomes very tough against a team that is just known for being able to explode like they have against the Red Sox in the past series and the ALCS. And so they, Houston did what they need to. Now it's time to see if the Braves can respond or if they're going to fold. And I know for a lot of people, this is a very, very, I guess you would say, scary situation to be in as a Georgia sports fan because you've seen it time and time again. You've seen where, it, I mean, just last year with Atlanta where they're up 3-1 against the Dodgers and the NLCS end up blowing it. You've seen the Atlanta Falcons blow stuff. You've seen the Georgia Bulldogs blow stuff. It just seems like what everyone calls the Georgia curse is real. So the question is, is the Georgia curse going to continue or is Atlanta going to be able to finally close it out and be able to get that championship that all Georgia sports fans are are hoping that does break the curse. So if not, I, I just I don't even know what to think if this happens. I, I'm a Georgia sports fan. I'm big on just about every sports team in Georgia there is. Obviously, I try to keep my biasness out of it as much as possible. 
but I don't, I don't even know what to think at this point if this series, if the if the Braves end up losing this series because, I mean, you have every opportunity this year in just so many different ways. I mean, if the Braves lose this up being up 3-1 in the World Series, now you're looking at Georgia on the other side in college football who's number one in the country and looks like they're basically untouchable at this point to so many. Now, I mean – do you even have faith that they can pull it out? I mean, it's just if you're, it's the life of a Georgia sports fan. So, a lot of people are going to be wondering what's going to happen in this in this game six because it's going to be absolutely massive. Obviously, the biggest game of the year, and it's just all up to up to the Braves. They can get 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 good pitching like they did earlier in the series and their three wins that they've had. They'll have a good shot, but it's got to be more consistent. They've got to be able to close things out when they get to two outs. They had that. That one stretch with AJ Minter, and they were at two outs for forever, and gave up multiple multiple runs. So they got to be able to close things out, and get off the field, and get their offense back on. So it's going to be very fun and very interesting to watch. It's going to be a huge game six. So definitely looking forward to that tomorrow night when they get back to it. So with that said, though, we talked about the World Series here. Just going to talk about just a couple of games in. The NCAA just kind of recapping like we normally do with the with football. I'm not going to talk about the NFL today. Just really wanting to focus on what happened in college football this weekend. With so much going on, it was just so many games that took place that were huge in the grand scope of things. And then on top of it, tomorrow night we are set to get the first college football playoff rankings. And I know plenty of people are interested to see how that's going to play out because. There's so many people – we've looked at the AP poll, and the AP poll has been very consistent in where they've ranked teams because Cincinnati's been number two for a while. And then obviously – I say consistent. We know there's been shakeup due to losses that have happened. When I say consistent, though, if you've won games, you just stayed at the top. But with that being said, though, even though – like I'll give you an example. Cincinnati is still number two in the AP poll, but not many people sports – news media do not think Cincinnati is the number two team in the country. I myself agree with that. Even though they are undefeated, I do not feel like they are worthy of the number two ranking. That's why they're down down all the way up to this point. I think at number six in my rankings, I'd have to go back and look at it. I don't have it right in front of me, but have them at number six. I just don't think that they would be able to compare to the likes of Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan State, Oklahoma. I don't think they would be able to beat any of those teams at this point. And the thing is, they beat Notre Dame. Obviously, Notre Dame's still a de- decent team that has now moved back into the top ten. But at the same time, though, outside of Notre Dame, who have you beat? You play a bunch of scrub teams, and now you're seeing them struggle. They struggle with Tulane. They struggled last week against Navy. There's just no consistency from them. So we're going to be getting the college football playoff rankings tomorrow night. It's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. We know Georgia's going to be number one, but... Outside of that, we have no idea where anyone can fall. I would not be surprised to see Alabama sit at number two. I think Ohio State should sit at number two just because of how dominant they've looked outside of their – well, I know they lost to Oregon and then they beat Penn State this weekend. But to me, the dominance that they played with outside of that loss to Oregon has been big because look, going down the road, Oklahoma struggled against most teams that they've played against even even though they haven't lost. You look at Alabama, they lost to A&M and haven't played anyone since. At that point, Oregon's, I mean, uh, Ohio State's loss was so early in the season, they've improved since then, so I would feel definitely more comfortable putting them at the number two spot. If you disagree, that's completely fine. I get it. But at this point where we're at, there's so much 
turmoil. There's so much change up. There's so many questions outside of that one spot that anybody could just be put there. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. But I'm going to talk about a couple of games. First game up, I want to talk about. Going to talk about the biggest game of the week, and that was the Michigan Michigan State game. And it was a phenomenal game. Um, I mean, just for both teams. Both teams played their heart out. Both teams came with their best game plan, and it was obvious. Michigan, even though they lost, they looked phenomenal in this game. And I think that's why you saw that they didn't move far at all when it came to the rankings because of how well they played. And it's just the only thing that I guess you would say if you're a Michigan fan that would get to you when it comes to this game, it's just once again Jim Harbaugh blowing a a game that was very easily – he was very easily able to win and blew it after being up so much in this game. But you got to give credit to Michigan State. Mel Tucker did a phenomenal job with his team. He's done a phenomenal job all year with this team. They were not good last year, and then all of a sudden this year they're 8-0, and they're in the top five at this point now. So very deserving of a top five top five ranking as well. So, I mean, just the whole team's great. The offense is explosive. The defense is good. Obviously, you would like to have held, teams to, uh, held Michigan to a lower point total than 33, but you take you know wins a win you take it so with that said though kind of break it down just a little bit more all right so at this point we've looking at this game I think two things that really stood out to me talking about Michigan real quick the biggest thing for me in this game that was a big takeaway for Michigan that'll help them they're Obviously, that's, this loss stings, especially when it comes to that Big Ten East and trying to get into the Big Ten championship game, and obviously in the grand scale of national things. But that one loss against Michigan State is close, but you're still in the running for stuff as long as you can win out. You never know what could happen up front, so you ne- you want to continue to obviously win your games. But with that said, though, the biggest thing for this game that was huge for Michigan to see, and I think it's going to be huge for the committee to see if it gets later into the year Michigan's undefeated and some stuff happens, is to see that that passing attack that we all questioned and was wondering if it was actually going to be there was there with Cade McNamara. He was absolutely phenomenal in this game. He was 28-44, 383 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I mean, this is a Michigan team that had the least amount of throws outside of Coastal Carolina before this game and here he comes in and throws the ball 44 times able to get 383 yards he was efficient I mean he was putting the ball right in spots where he absolutely needed to just phenomenal it was a great game plan from Jim Harbaugh and that whole Michigan offensive staff there so they did great the only thing you didn't like that rushing attack that you that was so that was so good up to this point did not have the type of game that we expected between Haskins and Corum Obviously, you play a good defense like Michigan State. That's bound to happen, but you've got to have more balance if you're going to be able to beat teams. I'm all about I'm all about balance when it comes to stuff. So when it comes to this type of foot, when you want to play this brand of football, you have to have more balance. When you want to be able to beat good teams like this, you have to have balance. And they didn't have it in this one, and I think that's what ended up ended up costing costing them this game because at the end they weren't able to run the ball effectively and Michigan State was able to get the ball back, was able to go down the field and be able to score. But uh, for Michigan State, obviously you're just happy to see that, I mean, you come out of here with the win first and foremost, but you got to see, oh, everyone got to see how big and how important Kenneth Walker is to this this Michigan State offense. He had a, he was 23 carries for 197 yards, five touchdowns, five touchdowns for a running back. I don't care what you do. I don't care if they hand it off to him every time. Five touchdowns is impressive. And he was able to do that. And I think at this point he jumped up to number one in the Heisman race for so many different people. 
I don't know if I have my, my number one at this point. I'll talk about that later. But he was just absolutely phenomenal in this matchup. And then Peyton Thorne, outside of his two his two interceptions, he was good. He was 19 of 30, 196 yards. You take those two interceptions away, Michigan State's in real business when it comes down to it. But this offense is just explosive, like we thought they were, like we thought they were going to be able to be. And I think that was still the difference when it came down to this game. Michigan State was just able to consistently score. Michigan went cold. And, but I think that comes down to the type of offense that they have. They have an offense with a pulse now, and that just doesn't fully depend on the run. They can throw the ball a little bit, and they can hit big plays when they need to. But give credit to Mel Tucker, though. Like I already said, he's built he's built this team up to be physical, and I think that comes a lot from where his background has been with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, where are both obviously like physicality and their style of offense and defense, and he's brought that here to Michigan State. So we saw that on the defensive front, and we also saw that on the offensive front and the offensive line, which opened so many holes for Kenneth Walker. But So for Michigan State, you're riding high right now. You're in the top five, but you, you got everything you want in front of you. Now you just got to be able to beat Ohio State. That'll give you a lot for the Big Ten championship, Big Ten championship game, and that if you win that, more than likely – well, if you win the matchup with Ohio State, you're more than likely have a – very, very good chance of making a college football playoff, and that would be absolutely huge for Mel Tucker here at Michigan State, and obviously for Michigan State fans everywhere, so huge, huge game that's going to have an impact, but for Michigan, outside of this, like I said, you still have an opportunity, you just got to hope a couple other teams slip up in front of you, and if you just went out the rest of the way, you're still 11-1, and you're at least playing a New Year's Six Bowl more than likely, so this is, I mean, Michigan's still got a lot to play for, so... Big, big matchup. Very fun to watch. Very back-and-forth game. Uh, other matchup up we can talk about real quick. I'm going to talk about Penn State and Ohio State. Now, this game was very fun to watch, and it was one that I was looking forward to because I needed to see how Ohio State was going to be able to play against a top-level competition. And I know Penn State dropped, but Penn State is still a very good football team, and I think this was evident in this game Saturday night. And Penn State came out, was able to really go punch for punch with Ohio State into that latter part of the game where Ohio State just had too much on offense and was just able to finally get to the quarterback a couple times on defense and just really put the game away for them. And that's what good football teams do against good football teams. They make a couple of extra plays to be able to win the game, and that's exactly what Ohio State did. So for Penn State, you go to 5-3. and three, This this I mean, at one point you were sitting here riding close to – Number two in the nation, you're sitting at number three, or number four, excuse me. You were looking like you had everything in front of you, and then all of a sudden you dropped three games in just a matter of a couple weeks. So it's been a huge letdown if you are a Penn State fan, but, I mean, that's just the way it goes sometimes in college football, have those that roller coaster ride that you have. But for this game, I think what absolutely killed Penn State is their rushing attack has been good for the most part this year, but they just had absolutely none when it came to this game. I mean, their highest rushing – Russian player had was uh, Lovett, who had 13 carries for 20 yards, and his longest run was five yards. You're not beating anybody when it comes down to it with that, and I, I think that's evident with the scoreboard as well because we talked about before in the preview and prediction for this weekend that Penn State was going to have to be able to score. They haven't scored higher than the 20s since week four, so I mean you're in week. We're going moving into week 10 later on this week, so. It's been almost six weeks since they've actually put up more than 20 points in the 30s. So that's just crazy. But if you're Penn State, you were finally happy to see Sean Clifford have a game that, I mean, is really important for, for Penn State later on during the year. you still got a couple of matchups that would be big for your team. 
and you'd like to see win. But Sean Clifford finally came alive. He was 35 of 52, 361 yards, one touchdown. Did have one interception, though. But he was very good in this game, helped Penn State's offense actually be able to move the ball against this Ohio State team. And I think it was a, a little bit of both of this. Penn State was better on offense when it comes to the passing game, but I also think that Ohio State secondary kind of struggled a little bit. And that's where you have to – I think that's where Oregon got them when Oregon beat them. So if you're Ohio State, there is a concern there still on defense. Offensively, though, for Ohio State, we know what they offer with C.J. Stroud. But the I would say the story of this game was seeing Travion Henderson go for 28 carries for 152 yards, and which is absolutely able to shred that, that Penn State defense. And I don't think that was something that anyone expected because Penn State is – has been known for their good defense this year. They've looked great. They have a great front front line, and they were just absolutely able to eat it up. But C.J. Shrud was efficient, 22-34, 305 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. So that's just good balance, and that's what you got to have if you're going to be able to beat good teams. It had great balance, and it worked out. And so same thing for Michigan State. They beat Michigan, had great good balance. So that's what you have to have. You're going to be able to beat good teams, and that's what Ohio State did. So Ohio State, obviously – Moves on with still the, with just their one loss still in the big uh, well not even in the Big Ten they're still undefeated in the Big Ten so but they got a couple of huge matchups coming up over the next couple of weeks they got Nebraska next week that'll be interesting to see not really a huge matchup but one you're interested to see how Ohio State goes on the road to Nebraska and plays in that game and then you obviously got Michigan State at home and two weeks and then you got Michigan to close out the season so those last two weeks are going to be absolutely brutal for Ohio State but this was a big one that you needed to win to obviously have everything still in front of you because I don't think they can afford to lose even if they lose one of those I don't I don't think they get into the playoff especially after that loss to Oregon earlier in the year and especially if Oregon continues to win like they have and uh, stay atop the stay atop in their rankings I think that Oregon will continue to move up as long as they keep winning so other game up Ole Miss and Auburn Auburn ended up pulling this one out 31 to 20. This was a, I would say, somewhat fun to watch, but Auburn pretty much controlled this game from start to finish. Ole Miss just didn't look the part in this one. Auburn is playing really, really good football, and that's big time credit to Brian Harsons and Bo Nix there. Bo Nix has improved extremely since earlier part of the season. He was benched in the second half against Georgia State. And a, and a win earlier on this season. But since then, he's played great football. He's seemed like he's really settled in finally. And I think, a, I think a lot that has to do with that, I think when it came down to it, after he was benched in that matchup against Georgia State, I think he was worried about that happening. I think what ended up happening actually after that, I honestly feel like Brian Harson finally told Bo Nix, this is your team, don't worry about it, just go out there and play football. And I really think that's what, what's happened and I think it's really calmed Bo Nix down, and he's been able to play really good football, be very efficient. He's not just straight out dominating, you know, just throwing for like three, 400 yards. He's not doing that. But what he's doing is he's coming out here, he's going to go 22, 22 of 30, be very efficient. He's going to give you one touchdown and take care of the ball. And that's what he's done for the most part over the last couple of weeks, and that's all you really need him to do when you got a guy – in the backfield like Tank Bigsby, who's ever to get, able to give you 23 carries for 140 yards. And they got a couple of guys behind them that's obviously able to give them some, some rushing attack as well. So for Auburn, they're becoming a very dangerous team, I feel like. And they're on top of it, their defense is starting to come alive. That front line has continued to improve. They got four guys on that front line that, are, that can get after the quarterback. And so they're very much improved from where they were against Georgia earlier on in the year. 
And things become very interesting for Auburn because at this point, you win this game and you got A&M next week. That's going to be a huge matchup. But obviously one that I feel like Auburn will have a chance. Do I think they win? I don't know. I'm going to kind of break. This is definitely going to be one of the matchups we break down on this week's the Week 10 preview and prediction. So I got to kind of look at some things and break things down uh, before I can, you know, obviously say who's going to win that. But obviously a game that Auburn can win, it's going to be a very tough environment considering they have to go on the road to College Station and win that game, but very, very winnable if you're if you're playing the way you are as Auburn is. So, uh, but other than that, if they can win that, they'll move up even further in the rankings. They move up to 12 this week, so that was a big jump from 18 to 12, but very well deserved after you beat a top 10 team in Ole Miss. But so you win that, you'll move up even further, and outside of that, you're just looking at playing Alabama in the last week of the in the last week of the season, and. That would be very interesting if Auburn can win against A&M because at that point you have a matchup where Auburn controls its own destiny. If they beat Alabama, they go to the SEC championship where they will face Georgia, who has now won the East. So Auburn has everything they want in front of them. And I know some people are going to say, oh, they got two losses. It doesn't matter. For some reason, Auburn continually – and I think it has a lot to do with their schedule, though – <clears throat> Auburn continually finds themselves that can have two losses and still try to find a way to be able to get into the playoff. <clears throat> they had a similar situation happen in 2017 where they just got hot at the end of the year and played Georgia in the SEC Championship. They win that game against Georgia in the SEC Championship. They go and play in the college football playoff for the, be the first team with two losses. So they had that opportunity there, and they kind of got – I mean, I feel like they got the same opportunity this year. You can go and beat Alabama and A&M, and then you can go to the SEC Championship and beat Georgia. I feel like you've got a very good shot of being able to go to the playoff. And obviously there's a lot that's got to happen for that to be able to come to fruition, but – that is the reality right now. If Auburn can do that, I don't see how you keep them out after be- beating number 13 A&M, number three Alabama, and then number one Georgia. So I, I just don't see how you keep them out at that point. The committee is going to pick the best four teams, and I don't see how you're not how they how they would go and say they're not one of the best four after doing that. Even with two losses, they're very early on losses. So very different team from there. But on the other side, looking at Ole Miss, I kind of feel like in a lot of ways Lane Kiffin continues to basically beat himself because watching them when it comes down to when it comes down to some of the stuff they do I know he likes to play the analytics but I mean there's times where it's like fourth and long and he's still going for it when he could just you know kick a field goal and be able to get them with that a one score game they're down 20 to 31 they get down the field got a chip shot field goal but he decides to go for it on fourth down doesn't get it and that's basically the ball game at that point but if you kick it I mean it's 23-31. It's a one-score game. You can go and try to play defense, get the ball back, or you can onside kick it. But he can – I mean, he just – I know he likes to play the analytics, but sometimes – and I like analytics too to a degree, but there's also a degree of just common sense saying, hey, we're in a two-score game. We can get one right here and be able to get us within one. Then we can take advantage of it. So I don't know – I don't know why he does that, but – and that's just the way he rolls, but it's going to continue to hurt him because that's the type of, you're not always going to get a fourth down conversion and you have to just play smart sometimes. And just instead of just going by your analytics book, that's right behind you. But, and this one, Matt Corral did not have the type of game that he would need to be able to further his Heisman campaign and also be able to help Ole Miss win. And that had a lot to do with his injury. We know he's been banged up over the last couple of weeks and this week was no different. So he wasn't able to do it. Had 289 yards passing one interception. And then looking down the, 
looking down the line, they had 157 rush yards total, but it was split up around three guys. Corral was one of them who had 45. So you had a semi-balanced attack, but I, you just weren't able to really, like I said, those fourth down where you're going on forward on fourth down and not able to get it, those really kill every bit of momentum, kill your opportunity of getting points, and then you end up finding yourself when you go on that type of go into that type of environment. It's very, very tough to win. So for Ole Miss, this is obviously a loss that – it pretty much basically knocks you out of any chance of going to the SEC championship because you don't see Alabama losing to anybody outside of Auburn on their schedule. Alabama, even if they did lose to Auburn, well, if, as long as Auburn wins out, Auburn would still go to the SEC championship. But even if Auburn loses, Alabama would still only have two losses at that point and would have the tiebreaker with Ole Miss. So Alabama would still go at that point. So this basically eliminates Ole Miss from the SEC championship con- you know, game birth contention. But, I mean, this, you can still have a good season. You can continue to improve for next year. If you're Lane Kiffin, do you, I don't know if you start looking at next year because, obviously, this is Matt Corral's going to be his last year. So, do you start looking at maybe playing some guys later, you know, trying to get your backup quarterback some more playing time? I don't know. This is a decision he's going to have to make. But, I mean, it's time to start thinking about that type of stuff because you're not – I mean, you're not doing anything the rest of the year. Obviously, you still want to win. You'll play Corral, but – might be something that they might look at doing here in the later part of the year. And last game up that we're going to talk about real quick. Going to talk about this Georgia-Florida game. Number one, Georgia goes and absolutely destroys Florida 34-7. to And this, this is what I tried to tell people about this matchup when it came, when I was talking about in the preview and prediction and just talking to a couple of different people even after even after the show we did on Saturday for the preview and prediction show. I was listening to College Game Day and I watched them and I watched a couple other shows and they kept talking about how Florida was gonna make this close. Florida's better than their four and three record and Dan Mullen had two weeks to go, you know, to plan for this Georgia defense and they should be able to score a couple of times and you hear this each and every week, and I, I don't know what it is until – I don't know what you got to do if you're Georgia to be able to get it through people's heads. You're not going to be able to score on this defense. It's – we're going into week 10, and they've only given up a total of 53 points for a whole entire season – or whole entire three-fourths of a season at this point. They're literally running the chance of going a full season with the way their schedule is, a full regular season without giving up 100 points in a whole entire regular season. That is absolutely insane and absolutely unheard of. And I know some people are going to keep saying, well, Georgia hasn't played anybody. They beat Auburn. They beat Kentucky, both ranked teams. They have two other ranked team wins that obviously have dropped out since then. But Arkansas is still right on the cusp. Arkansas is still a good football team. Clemson's defense was better than obviously what people – think their offense was terrible but obviously we know Georgia in that game was missing a lot of their offensive pieces Georgia has done everything that people have asked for I don't know why people continue to doubt them obviously we know there is I've already talked about it the Georgia curse but at the same time though this is just I don't know there's something special about this team it's not just something that just happened by chance you could tell from the very first game that this defense was absolutely insane absolutely special this may be the greatest college football defense of all time when you talk about it. I know some people were going to talk about the early Miami defenses and the Alabama defenses from the teens those defenses did not have to play any of the type of offenses that we're having to play now and no Georgia hasn't played a number one number two type offense yet or anything like that it doesn't matter you go against teams that are still top 
top 30, top 40 in offense and still be able to, you know, throw play spread offense and do that type of stuff. And you just absolutely shut them down where they're scoring seven, you know, their three points. That's absolutely unheard of in this type of day and age in college football. Right now, give you a stat real quick. Georgia has, like I said, given only 53 points total this year. The second best defense in the SEC is Alabama, who's given up 165 points. That is an absolute insane stat, and no one wants to continue to give Georgia props. And I have no doubt at this point, after listening to people question if Georgia was even going to be able to blow out Florida or going to be able to hold Florida off, I mean, you had people, Lee Corso, Kirk Street on here saying that this was going to be a really close couple-of-point game. And now I'm wondering now what they're going to try to make up next week when Georgia plays Missouri, if Missouri is going to basically be able to upset Georgia. I mean, that's just the type of stuff I've come to expect now at this point. And it's absolutely insane, but that Georgia's defense within a in this matchup against Florida held Florida scoreless for the whole, basically a whole entirety of the game until the last couple of minutes where they were finally able to score. And they were doing everything in their power to score because of their whole scoring streak that they have that dates back all the way for forever ago and they wanted to be able to keep it going and they were able to get one touchdown and so Dan Mullen the offensive genius held to just seven points I mean that's just that's just crazy to think of but this game at one point it was 3-0 Georgia with like two minutes left in the left in the first half of that game and then the Georgia defense goes and just gets three straight turnovers two of them led or well, both the two of them led to just offensive scoring drops. The other one led to a defensive touchdown. Basically, you go from 3-0 to, at that point, 24 nothing, just in a matter of a couple of minutes. So it's absolutely crazy to see what that Georgia defense did just during that two-minute spread. So the only question that you have if you are Georgia at this point, your question is, is, is Stetson Bennett going to be able to win? And my answer for that, I've said it before, I've – Set it in the preview and prediction. If you have a healthy JT Daniels, you have to go with JT Daniels. And I don't know what Kirby Smart is waiting for. I don't know if he's waiting to have have him, you know, go into a couple of the, these last couple of games against lesser competition to get some reps. I don't know. But Stetson Bennett is not going to. I worry about him against a team like Alabama because Alabama is going to be able to score some points when you play them in the SEC championship. They're going to be able to put some points up. This Georgia defense, obviously, I feel like can hold them to low 20s. I feel like they could play that type of – they could hold them to that type of game. But at the same time, though, do you trust Stetson Bennett to be able to score more than that? And I don't know if I do because he struggled mightily in this game through a couple of questionable questionable balls where it was straight into double coverage twice that got picked off. There's a couple other that I was wondering where he was throwing at the same time. It's just very up and down, and that's how he always is against good competition. That's how he was against Alabama last year. That's how he was against Florida this year. Yeah, he's played in a couple other games where he played other teams, but that's because the run game was so dominant. Florida did a good job early part of this game against the run defense outside of a couple of plays. But he finally slowed down the offense. Florida's defense did a good job in that first half, and that's why the game was still 3-0. But Stetson Bennett is not that guy who's going to stand back there and pick you apart and be able to win you big ball games when you need to be able to shred a defense like that. JT Daniels is going to be able to do that. And I know some people say Georgia needs the mobility at quarterback. Georgia doesn't have to have that mobility at quarterback because teams are stacking the box now against Stetson Bennett. That's what Florida did. That's why Florida had so much success in the early part of the game. They stacked the box, took away Georgia's run game, took away, well, put pressure on Stetson Bennett, 
and he wasn't still wasn't able to be able to complete passes down the field, and so that was putting pressure on on the pocket against the pass the pass protection. But the thing is, some people are saying, well, you know, JT Daniels wouldn't be able to get out of that, but he wouldn't have to worry about that in the first place because they're not going to be sending a blitz at him every single time because they know he can throw the ball. They're not going to stack the box. So there, there's some stuff that people have to think about. He just ultimately gives Georgia the best chance to win later on down the road when you play better teams like Alabama, Ohio State. Oklahoma, you have to be able to have a guy that can put points on the board, and that's JT Daniels, not Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett has been great when he's needed, but he's not anything more than a backup, a really good backup. But that's what he is, and it's just time to accept that. If you're Kirby Smart, you cannot make this blunder, that you, the same one that you did with the Justin Fields situation, and not play JT Daniels the rest of the season. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do that. But on the flip side, looking at Florida, Florida – it's just a miss. Their offense, obviously, they don't know which quarterback they want to go with. They went with Anthony Richardson in this one. I feel like that was a mistake. This type of game against this type of defense, you should go with your your veteran quarterback who's has more experience. That is Emory Jones, even though I don't think Emory Jones is the, is the future at Florida. I think Anthony Richardson is. But in that type of game, you go with experience over over what the basically the fan base was calling for was Anthony Richardson. So, very questionable by Dan Mullen there to do that because obviously when Emory Jones came in I felt like they were able to move the ball more and he obviously took care of the ball better than Anthony Richardson did but I don't know some people are saying that Dan Mullen's not on the hot seat yet but I don't know he's recruiting he continually seems like he's losing recruits in his recruiting class and he's still only getting four stars he's not picking up five stars and that's something that you have to have if you're going to be able to compete with the likes of Georgia and Alabama and the SEC so I think he's going to be on the hot seat very soon. If he's not, I wouldn't be surprised to see if, you know, there's some type of situation where he has to fire all his staff, you know, defensively especially, and make some changes offensively as well later on the end of the season because it's just not working there right now. they got to be able to bring in someone who's going to be able to recruit better. But it becomes very hard when you do have Georgia recruiting the way they do. So, I don't know. I don't. I just don't feel like Dan Mullen, even from the start when he showed up there, was going to be the be the guy there at Florida to be able to take them to that next level that so many thought. Because even at Mississippi State, same idea. He was able to get the best out of his players that he had there at Mississippi State, but he was never able to get five-star players that you need, that talent that you need to be able to take teams to the next level. So going to be very interesting to see what happens there. But for Florida, you're 4-4 four and four at this point. You were ex- expected to be – I guess you say competitive in the ACC East. They become absolutely anything but that. They're one of the middle of the road teams in the ACC East. So very disappointing season if you are a Florida fan. But I mean, obviously it happens unless, like I said, unless you're pulling in that type of talent that some of these other teams are. But with that said, though, we're going to be looking at some other stuff later on this week when it comes to sports. We'll obviously break down some of the college football playoff rankings. When they come out, we'll do that in our Thursday podcast episode. We'll also talk about the results because at that point we'll have the the final results of the World Series. We'll obviously talk about that when we get there. And we'll have some other news from other sports when stuff happens from there. But uh, today there is no politics episode. We're going to – I know I keep changing stuff a little bit, but I'm trying to do it to fit my schedule as best as possible where I can be able to produce content, enough content for y'all, be able to give those two episodes like I already talked about. So the political episode will come out tomorrow on Tuesday. That way 
we can just have something basically every day, but it also makes makes it easier for me where I don't have to do so much each night with as crazy as my schedule is right now. So that will be coming out tomorrow. Expect that tomorrow, same time. So we'll go Monday sports, Tuesday politics. We'll go probably we'll go nothing Wednesday and have sports Thursday, politics Friday. Have college football preview and prediction. So the only day you're not really getting anything is going to be Sunday and Wednesday. So. That's how the schedule is going to be looking like from now on, it, well, unless I if something else makes more sense for me. But right now, that's the way it's looking like at this point. So, sorry to make the movement, but obviously, the same stuff will be coming out, same type of content. That way, we can just give you the best, give it to you the best way we possibly can. So that's what I'm looking at doing now. But with that said, though, thank you for joining us today on this episode. If you want breaking news on all sports and po- uh, political news. Make sure you go to our social media pages, follow and like us there. That way you, we, you can get all the news as soon as it comes out. And if you're looking for articles, anything to read, looking for more information on us, you can go to therevolutionsports.com and you can find all the information you'd be looking for there. So with that said, though, thank you for joining us today, and we will see you in the next episode.